I think it's easy to believe the myth that bigger equals better. But you can actually build better without making things bigger. You know, the other day I went to this greenhouse called Carol Watson Greenhouse outside of Syracuse, New York. And I, I went there because my time in Belgium and the Netherlands, one thing that I took away with me is that they had terrariums everywhere. These pieces of glass where they, they built these beautiful gardens, these scenes, maybe even jungle scenes in these very small spaces. So I went to Carol's. And I got this uh, terrarium in this tiny, tiny succulent. It just went really minimalist, very simple with it. Just dirt in the plant and the glass. And I love it. It reminds me of my time in the Netherlands. It reminds me that you can make things better without making them bigger. And that's what we talk about today in today's show. You know, it's easy to talk about scale. A lot of people talk about 10x. I talk about those things. I dream big dreams. But that's not the only way of thinking. That's just one way. So today we think about going small. And my guest is a expert on micro schools. So we're going to jump into what it's like to build a micro school. At the top of the show, we'll talk about how she came back to school in the fall during the pandemic. And there's a part after the break towards the end of the show where we talk about her motto. I love the motto and how that integrates into uh, what she does as a school leader. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Transform how you lead to become a resilient and empowered change agent with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty while you collaborate with a global network of fellow school leaders. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. Hey, hey, Ruckus Maker. My friends over at Smart have developed a research back tool that will show you not only your strengths and weaknesses, but where you should strategically focus your energy in order to drive better results for your students. This tool is called the EdTech Assessment Tool, and you can take it at smarttech.com forward slash profile. Take the EdTech Assessment Tool at smarttech.com forward slash profile. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizeBinder.com. Hey, Ruckus Maker, I am joined by Dr. Maureen O'Shaughnessy, a career school innovator with over 30 years of transforming learning in schools to better serve all students. And she's the author of Creating Micro Schools for Colorful Mismatched Kids. That's linked up for you in the show notes. She's the founding director of Leadership Prep Academy, a nonprofit progressive micro school in Washington State and micro school coalition, a cooperative of micro schools across the globe. Marine offers consulting in the Build Your Own Micro School class, guiding schools to open across the United States. She's been interviewed by Good Morning America and many other media sources, and now has founded the <laughs> Education Evolution Podcast. She aims to disrupt the education climate, 
as we know it to help ensure each child is seen, heard, and valued and met where they are academically, socially, and emotionally. So, Maureen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. Yeah. So, pandemic's been crazy. I mean, everybody already knows that. Um, And you've had an interesting start to school. And one thing that you mentioned to me is that you've not given up on in-person and you've not given up on SEL during the fall. So I'd love to just hear what you learned um, by opening up school and not giving up on some of those components. Well, I think the biggest thing we learned actually came about in the spring because we were a tight community, lots of really strong student-teacher relationships, and we pivoted seamlessly to remote learning. We practiced it before we did it. We It was smooth, but we watched kids, even though they were really connected to their classmates and their teachers, we watched mental health issues skyrocket and just kids really, if they already were anxious, becoming so much more anxious, like, what's this mean? What can I eat? What can I do? What air can I breathe? Just the uncertainty driving them crazy. And so this fall, when we were opening our doors, it was like, we have to, because Washington State is in a place where we can do this and we're small enough that we can have six feet apart, outdoors, masks. We have to have part of our time in person, that human connection, that normalcy, those facial expressions, even though they're half hidden behind a mask, all of these pieces are so important. So we just learned that human connection and not behind a screen is really healing and necessary. And so we were determined that first we're going to be outdoors all day, every day in the parking lot and with canopies up. And then it's like, wow, it's noisier out here than we realize when we're just walking through the parking lot. And oh, rain, even with the canopies, that's not working so well. So then we shipped in and tried remote mornings where you could be indoors and have good tech and then outdoor afternoons, but there were the fires and the air quality. And so then we shifted to half the number of kids, middle school, two days, high school, two days, and the other days remote and indoors, windows open way more than six feet apart. And that kind of was our sweet spot where we weren't giving up and our families weren't giving up. And at the same time, we had remote for kids that live with grandparents and needed to stay separate. But that mental health piece, that connection piece is trumping any academic gains this year. We just want our kids to be well. I appreciate your heart there. And and, uh, it's so needed, right? I'm, I'm curious how the, talk to me about the staff. Like, how did they respond and react and and, uh, how did they evolve during this time? This is our eighth year as a micro school and it's been a process of really getting the right people on board. And if not of, you know, thanking them at the end of the year, helping them find a more traditional setting, but we have to be learner centered and we have to be coaches as opposed to more of the traditional lecturing kinds of teachers to be a good fit. So we already had teachers really engaged and all but one teacher coming back. So we knew the kids, we knew the teachers. It took a lot of flexibility on their part. And it also, we work hard on building our team and our our relationships. It took a lot of candor and addressing our fears and what do we need to feel safe? And we did have a new teacher on board that was like, you know, I have elderly parents. I don't think I can do this. And when that happened over the summer, we 
gave a very generous severance package and, and tried again because kids' mental health means we need that person present. We do have a, a senior teacher that's over 60 that's doing a lot of remote support for us, but everybody else, we really need to be present for the kids and they're flexing, they're doing it. And it's an ongoing conversation even now. I have an idea of what a micro school is, but you're the expert. And so I'd love to <laughs> ask you, what is a micro school? I always hate how dumb I sound with this answer that everybody asks this question. It is a small school, Danny. So it's like, oh, I wish <laughs> I had something that sounded eloquent. And like this is, it's truly that one room schoolhouse from a hundred years ago, multi-age, but being small, I get to do so many things I didn't get to do when I had a school with a thousand kids. So it's small and that opens up the doors to be personalized, to be competency-based, to be multi-age, to really pay attention to the whole kid. So it's a small school and hopefully an innovative one that's really using what we know today about learning to impact our learners. So I work with a... Uh community of, of people like us, actually, um, educators that also run their own businesses. So we call them edupreneurs, right? And uh, within that community, we're reading a book um, right now called A Company of One by Paul Jarvis, which I highly recommend. I'm sharing that to say, you know, I, I think your definition is just fine because um, one of the big ideas that we were talking about today that I think is good for everybody, folks running a business, folks running a school. If you're a leader, you're a leader. But it's the, the idea of questioning growth, you know, uh, growing for growing sake. And uh, two ideas that, that he shared that really impact me is um, how do you build better instead of bigger? You know, I think that's really great. And the other idea was having an upward limit to your goals, right? So that's why I love the idea of a micro school. It's going back to the basics, like you said, the one room schoolhouse, why do we need this place that is absolutely massive? And for me, it looks like this, serving 60 leaders within the school leader mastermind. And that is going to scale and grow, but I'm not going to be the one leading that, right? So I'll have other coaches that have worked side by side with me serving. So we can still live out the just cause to connect, grow and mentor any innovative school leader who wants that development, but it also respects my time and the ideal life that I want to live and not to grow just for growth's sake. So that's sort of long-winded, but I wanted to share that because I think it would be a value to you and to the Ruckus Maker listening, um, just those ideas. And I think it fits nicely with micro schools. So maybe this is a good place to follow up with, you know, what have you seen as some of the benefits of running a micro school? And then the opposite, you know, what are some of those challenges? I love what you're saying about you know, making sure that we're really focusing on growth and building for better. That is so important. And, and truthfully, at a deeper level, challenging the status quo. Why do we do this? Does it still serve? Why do we talk at? Why do we have summative assessments that drive? You know, why, why, why? And is this still serving us? And, and getting beyond bigger is better, just these assumptions. So love that. Benefits of a micro school. 
some of them you already see. You see in Montessori where kids get to drive their learning and they get to explore and they have that agency. I want to go this way, you know, that voice and that choice. Or you'll see them in an elementary school where the teacher loops and is your third and fourth grade teacher. So there's that consistency and the teacher already knows you and your strengths and that you aren't good at self-initiating. You know, task initiation will give you an extra little prompt. It just hits the ground running with you. So community, flexibility, personalization, uh, nimbleness to be able to pivot. A lot of schools around us in Seattle tanked when classes went remote and it was seamless for us and we were synchronous all day and, and still are with our remote learners. And hey, guys, turn off your cameras and everybody go find some liquids and we're going to measure the viscosity and, and just keeping the kids together and going. So small means community, means relationships, and we need that more than ever. Small means limited resources. It means scrappy, especially like our micro school has a sliding scale for tuition. So it means when you're going to have like a one to five teacher-student ratio, you're not going to be having capital campaigns and building beautiful new buildings. You're not going to have football fields and worrying about what lights stay on at night and and you're not going to be buying the property next door as investments and worrying about your endowments. So in bigger schools, those were all pieces of the puzzle that I had to factor in. But less resources kind of draws everybody together. We're all in this together. Parents are like, hey, we have some canopies that our business doesn't need or hey, we can drive on Fridays or yeah, I'll pick up lunches to appreciate your teachers if you guys put the order in. So it's okay. We We call ourselves happy and scrappy it works scrappy was uh what came to mind for me as well so <laughs> yeah those are a lot of positives what, what do you think in terms of the some of the challenges too you know, I think the challenge is getting families and kids to buy into this model. We are so locked into what I had when I was in high school or, you know, public schools should pay for, I pay property taxes and not into like, well, wait, what are the outcomes and what outcomes do I want for my kid? And same with students. It's it's a challenge because they're like, I don't want to be different than my friends and I'm failing everything or I'm bullied, but, but I'm, I'm fitting in, I think. And, and I don't know, this is odd and different and what will people think? So I think that's the hardest part is just, and I hear that from micro schools that have been open, Jackson Hole Community School, I mean, they've been open since 2004. And they're like, yeah, getting buy-in to do something different in a community that does not deeply dissect what education is and could be is an ongoing challenge. Yeah, that mindset piece. Well, I think it's a good point to ask this question too, then you can talk to me about how it uh, was a bad idea to start from zero and perhaps starting with what you have going already. So for the ruckus maker listening, you know, they write in and they're like, I want to, I'm going to run with this idea, right? So if they want to go all in on a micro school and potentially start one, yeah, talk to us about starting with what they have going already versus starting from zero. Absolutely. The first micro school I did was when I, or created, was when I was a a teacher in a high school of 2,000 kids in three grades. And we created a school within a school. That is, in spite of tons of bureaucracy and, and craziness, that is the easiest. You have the funding. We had a ton of portables because we were overcrowded. We had the teachers. We had some teachers with VOC funding or 
chapter funding that had an assistant with them in a smaller class size. So pulling together a group of teachers that wanted to be more interdisciplinary, more hands-on, more relational, having a pod of portables near the parking lot. It took a lot of work and it took a lot of coordination, but we had them five of the six periods and then six periods they could go have Japanese or drama and get the, a cool big school elective. And then they were on campus and they could do after school activities and, and whatnot. So that's a lot easier than coming up with your own facility, your own, your kids, your teachers, your funding. In the late summer, I, I started a Build Your Micro School course. And before it became evergreen, I ran a group through it. And two, actually three people that had really good success already had a business. So Sonia had the Bullock Garden project in New Jersey, a nonprofit kind of countering food apartheid and pivoted to create their place at Discovery Learning Center. Nana had a cognitive therapy practice that was really play therapy and experiential that she built on. Tracy had the Grange and had all these micro businesses with 20 somethings working in there and then added in boat building classes for kids and then a, a boys middle school. So all of those, again, aren't starting from scratch. They have their tribe, they have their mission, they have a lot of the resources. I started Lead Prep from scratch. Crazy hard, insane, doable, but if you can build on something that already exists, I think it's much better for everybody's sanity. What was the hardest part? Uh, getting people, it still is, to believe in something that's unfamiliar. And, and for me, it meant moonlighting at a community college and using my life savings and uh, just all those things and, and the scariness. Educators aren't necessarily business people. So like, oh my gosh, I have to get a fire inspection. I have to get a business license and I have to set up a corporation and a nonprofit 501c3 high learning curve. And oh my gosh, this is scary. And business owners, entrepreneurs know starting something is, is pretty scary, but it was pretty cool too. Yeah, I love the story. So and, and something else I love is your motto. I want to talk about that right after a break. So this is a good spot to pause and get a message from our sponsors. Transform how you lead to become a resilient and empowered change agent with Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership. Grow your professional network with a global cohort of fellow school leaders as you collaborate in case studies, bridging the fields of education and business. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. SMART has an incredible research-backed tool that allows you as a leader to self-assess your capabilities at the school level or broader to help you with planning and prioritizing. Discover your strengths and best area of focus across five different modules, including leadership and remote learning. The tool inspires collaboration with your colleagues and provides massive value whether you complete one or all five of the modules. You'll get a personalized report that shows where you stack up against other ruckus makers and maps some areas of focus that will have the greatest impact for you. Take 10 minutes and get started with this EdTech assessment tool today. I suggest beginning with the strategic leadership module. Check it out at smarttech.com forward slash profile. That's smarttech.com forward slash profile. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. 
Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. And we're back with Dr. Maureen O'Shaughnessy, and she's the author of Creating Microschools for Colorful Mismatched Kids, has a new podcast to check out, Education Evolution, all this stuff will be linked up for you in the show notes. And the micro school she started has a brilliant model that I love so much. And I want to I talk about it. It's seen, heard, valued, and thriving. I think I got it right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Nope, that's it. Okay, cool. Tell us more about your model. It's always pained me as an educator, and maybe because I started in elementary where you really do get to see and know those kids. It just pained me when kids are invisible or when they don't have a voice, you know, and truthfully, are we valuing them when they're a widget? And okay, you nine o'clock, you're in this class, 10 o'clock, you're in this class. This is the homework due, sink or swim. I don't think large schools and, and teachers dealing with 150 kids a day really can value, can see, hear, know, value a kid. And, and to me, it's like, what are we doing to value kids? What can we do differently to value them? And then the outcome, cranking kids through and they have enough graduation requirements, check, they're done. What if they're not thriving? What if they barely made it through? What if they feel stupid because they had 62% every year in math and that 38% gap got bigger and bigger and bigger? You know, they're not thriving, they're surviving. And there's a Gallup poll data on engagement, how it drops between middle and high school. There's so much information, the increase in mental health issues as adolescents get closer to college age. There's a lot of indicators. Our kids are not thriving. And so what's the purpose of high school? What's the purpose of school at all if we're not loving up these kids? And then if they're not going out and thriving and loving up the world, we're we're seeing more hate crimes, we're seeing more serial murders. School could be a part of helping kids thrive and it's not happening often enough now. I think that potentially, a, 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 not necessarily a critic, um, not necessarily a cynic, but somebody who's just questioning what they're hearing, right? Because your school is on the smaller side. I know you have experience in bigger schools, but what, what would you say to somebody who's, I guess, wrestling with the idea? How do I take some of these awesome ideas that uh, Maureen's doing in a micro school and then, you know, play that out? apply it to the to my massive setting? I think that, yeah, it's easy to say, well, yeah, that's that's great for her with her tiny student-teacher ratio in school, but everybody can take a step now. I A year ago, I was doing a presentation in Ecuador in a inclusion schools conference, and I was just saying, what are you going to do? And we went around the room at the end of each of my workshops. What are you going to do immediately when you get back to your school? So it's really easy. It's a cop-out to say, oh, yeah, I'm not young enough, or I'm not this enough. And we have a ton of cop-outs that we use as a culture. But what can you do tomorrow? And right away, find kindred spirits. Who else 
feels this way and wants to have this connection? And then where do you have some windows of opportunity? Like a lot of middle and high schools have advisories and kind of you use that when the counselor needs to come in and talk about the SAT test or about classes for next year or when you need to work in something extra or have an assembly. But what if you really made those advisories a chance for student-teacher connection and did a lot of team building, a lot of check-ins with kids, a lot of mental health kinds of things, improv and fun. So advisory oftentimes is, hey guys, get your homework done. Come see me if you have a question about your credits. And they're dead time. So a lot of people have resources that before and after school time, could you, you all know the teacher in your building that it has swarms of kids after school and stays open longer. And it's that hub, it's that connection, it's those relationships. Teachers are doing it. Find them, make it official and support them. It's really hard to go against the grain and do something different. And sometimes colleagues are resentful and I did a whole doctoral dissertation on that. So support these cool changes and don't let them be shut down because it might make another colleague uncomfortable. This might be a, a risk. I want to ask you about your artwork in, in the background. So you'll have to describe it for the ruckus maker listening, partly because I'm, I'm a little bit jealous because I'm, this is my new space. You can see it's bare. Like there's things I want to buy, but the supply chain and I haven't gotten it yet. Oh man, it stinks. The, the office is like, what's going on on those walls? So you have a, a picture of painting behind you and uh, can you just describe it to the ruckus maker listening and I'm hoping that it has some meaning to you, but I could be really off. No, you're totally on. It is this beautiful, I love blues and greens, and it's not really tie-dyed. There's a, an artistic word for when it's a blend of different shades. I actually saw this when I was working in the Philippines. I have a daughter with... Um, ADHD, autism, a chromosome variation. So she's super tall. So all of her uniforms had to be specially made. She's 6'3 now, but she was like 5'11 in fifth grade. So the, the seamstress, her husband does this beautiful art and he had this on his wall. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love the colors. I love it. And I was moving back to Seattle and going to be the principal at a large Catholic high school. And so I wanted to have something in my office that's, that really spoke of of caring and the whole human. And, and so I really wanted to talk about how I lead. And it says in light blue, so you can't really probably see it from there, make me a channel of your peace. And that was my theme for the year. And it's still, I want to be a conduit for peace, for kids thriving. So yeah, it's from my time in the Philippines. It was in my office in the last big school I worked in. And it does have meaning for me. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, it was, like I said, a bit of a risk, but um, I think we get to know you a bit better. And uh, there's always a story there. And for the ruckus maker listening to, you know, I think bringing your full self to your leadership and to your school and sharing these stories, right? And even telling your staff, here's why this is up in my office. Uh, it just makes you more human and you connect and build those relationships. And at the end of the day, I think, I believe that it makes you a more effective leader. So thank you for going there with me because you could have said, shut up, Danny. I don't <laughs> want to talk about the painting. <laughs> no, thank you. I agree. Being human is one of the best gifts we can give our teachers and it gives them permission to be human too. Yeah. So Maureen, what message would you put on all school marquees across the globe if you could do so for a day? Is each of your students thriving? Question mark. If not, what are you going to do? What are you willing to do 
about this immediately. How's that? Love it. Here's the last question. You're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? Wow. I really believe in synergy. So I would get some people that I think are amazing. And whether it's as consultants, and there are some cool people doing stuff around the US, uh, big picture learning does a lot of cool stuff. I would be pulling from all these sources and get a tribe of people that are equally on fire, but maybe that have complementary skills. So I'd get together this group. And now I've forgotten the second half of your question. Well, we love the synergy part. And it's really just about like, what would be your priorities then building that school, the top three? I really believe in UBD or reverse engineering. So I'd really want the priority to be, what's our outcome going to be? What's our essential question as a school? You know, so that we're not just like, oh, golly, I like this and I like that. And we have all these random ideas. Where are we heading? You know, because if you don't know where you're going, you know, any route will get you there, they say, and, and it won't get you there. So very clear on where we're going and really clear on what tools we see. Are we a flipped school? Are we a a nature-based school? You know, who are we? So big picture vision, who are we? And then parameters, who are we not? Like our school is not an elementary. We don't have kindergarten kids because you can't be everything to everybody. And getting that clarity, that container, then there's actually a ton of freedom to evolve. So that's an exciting question. How fun. Maureen, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast of everything we talked about today. What's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? That you can be the one throwing starfish back one at a time, making a difference so that kids thrive. Get on it. Do one thing every day that is helping kids thrive. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm.